You are listening to a sermon preached at Still Bay Baptist Church in Still Bay, South Africa. For more information, please visit our website stillbaybaptist.co.za. May you be blessed in listening to God's Word today. Now, good morning from my side as well. What a privilege to come and be with God's people. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you never forget us. You never let us face anything without you. Thank you that we can praise you with rose for your goodness. That even SARS can be an instrument in your hands to do your good work. So, Father, we pray that we will constantly know you and cling to you and to live in you. We pray all of this, Lord, in your wonderful name. Amen. Amen. We're in our series on the, um, in Colossians. We actually reached halfway now, and we're about to dive into chapter 3. But that is a very dangerous dive. If you dive wrong, you can really mess it up. Because chapter 3 is a beautiful chapter. Chapter 3 is a beautiful chapter on how to live the holy life. How do I need to live? Remember what is our sermon series? It is about walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. That is my goal in earth, on earth, to live and walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. And chapter 3 gets very practical about how do I do it. But you can dive wrongly. If you, the way you dive wrongly is to start in chapter 3. And you say, great, give me the list of rules that I need to keep to keep God happy. And if I can tick off all these lists and I do all these things it says, then God is happy and I'm happy and everything is happy. And that's the problem. You can't start with chapter 3. Now, many, many years ago, I wrote a devotional book for the teenagers when I was still in Durbanville Baptist. And I started at chapter 3. And so it was called Daily Drops because we really looked at like a word or two or or a sentence every day for them and it was set out. And we, we handed out about the first 11 weeks to the teenagers. But at one point, I just realized I did this wrong. I did this wrong by starting with chapter 3. I should have started with chapter 1. You cannot start by what I must do for God. You must start with what God has done for me. You need to start with who God is. And, and so in that, in, that, in that space of, and that's a journey we've been on. To understand who God is, this amazing, wonderful creator God, everything is made by him, everything is made for him, he keeps everything together, he sent his son to die, and undeservedly we can come to him, receive this free gift of grace, and then live in him, and found our life in him, and we can be born again. And it's not a quick, hey, you say your prayer, you're born again, great, go for it. It's a journey to know God and get to that point where you bend your knee and you say, this is, this, I want this God to be my God. And it doesn't even end there. I mean, it doesn't end the moment you say you want to be a, children of, a child of God. Then the journey starts. And then you need to know, you need to be careful. That's a, the, the passages we've been looking in the last couple of weeks. You need to be careful because you've got an enemy And if you're not careful, he's going to destroy your life. He's going to take it all away from you. He says, so instead, 
live like this. If you, who now know this God, and love this God, and want to please this God, get to the point that says, great, how do I do it? Then you're ready for chapter 3. Then and then only are you ready for chapter 3. And so what, we, what I decided to do is that before we get to chapter 3, we need, we need, we're going to do a bit of a sidestep. Just to remind ourselves for all these things to get us ready for, for chapter 3 again. And this glorious detour is going to be through John 15. Just to fill you again today with the knowledge of who God is, about what He has done, what He is doing, and what He will do, and how to rightly respond to that. So the, the topic for today is the glorious vine dresser. You can open your Bibles to John 15. We are going to read from chapter 1 to 11 of John 15. Before Anton comes and reads for us, we just want to pray again. Yes, Father, we, we are so grateful for your word because without it, how would we know? How would we know who you are? How would we know who we are? How would we know what our troubles in life are? And, and only through your word do we suddenly get light on everything. And thank you for this journey that you take us on to make us wise unto salvation, to bring us to the point where we say, I'm bending my knee in front of the king. This is my king. You repent. I repent, Lord. I believe. Here is my life. Take all of it. And so, Father, we pray that you will remind us again of that as we look at John 15, that we understand our role in this relationship. We are not, we're not the boss. We're not the king. We're not the one at the top. But yet, you, the king at the top, bend down to us. And so we praise you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Before Anton comes to read, I just want to give you a bit of a context before we get into chapter 15 to understand why did he get to chapter 15. Um, in chapter 14 is where Jesus tells them, I'm going away. Now, can you imagine how that must have felt for the disciples? No, that's not what I want. I'm very happy with you here, Jesus. I'm very happy spending all my days with you. Don't say you're going to go away now. Okay, can we come with you? No, you can't come with me. Not yet. I need to go and prepare a place for you. Okay, but what then? He says, don't worry. You can get there because I am the way. Not Jesus knows the way. Not I'm going to tell you the way. Not I'm going to show you the way. I am the way. So if you know me, you know the way. If you live with me, you live the way. And then he says, I'm going to go away. You won't see me, but I'm sending someone to be with you, the Holy Spirit. And so when I'm gone, the Holy Spirit will come and he'll always be with you until I come again. And so chapter 15 is basically then the illustration of how this life will be. How will life be once Jesus is gone, once we've received the Holy Spirit, and we now need to live the life. So with all that in mind, Anton is going to come and read for us. Thank you, Anton, um, from verse 1 to verse 11. Okay, John 15, uh, verses 1 to 11. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, 
that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Thank you, Anton. So in this parable, that illustration that, that um, Jesus gives, there are four role players that we find in this parable, in this illustration. The first one is the vine dresser. The second one is the vine. The third one, the branches. And the fourth one is fruit. And so if we look there at the verse 1, then it says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. So um, he gives us a bit of information about who are the, the, the different people. So the father is the vine dresser or the gardener, the, the grape master. Jesus is the vine. I hope you all live in the Cape, so you better know much about vines. If I gave this pre sermon in, in Gauteng, I would have explained to them what it is. But you all know that that thick um, vine that comes out of the ground, that they take all along the edge, that is the one that stands strong. But every year, it's the little branches that come out or grafted in that bears the fruit. And so he says, my father is the one who planted this vine. My father is the one who keeps everything in place. And I am the vine. I'm the one that draws the life from, from the ground. Um, and then he says that we will see it that, that we are the branches. Um, now, you'd almost wanted to hear, but shouldn't it be Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit? Isn't that how the order should have gone? But remember what he's just said. 
He said, you are the ones with the Holy Spirit in you. He's not saying we are the Holy Spirit. But if you want to understand the Trinity, that's the role of the Father, that's the role of Jesus. And you come with the Spirit in you. Now, um, one, thing, one thing I never really thought about until Craig said it a, a while back is that the vine and grapes and making wine is a very luxurious concept. It is a, a picture that is going well. It's a picture that is going well enough. No one who has trouble has time to sit and make a vine so that they can pick beautiful grapes. No one who is busy with war has a time to look after their garden. It's a sign that this vine dresser is in charge. He's got a control of the situation. He's keeping the vine going. So in verse 2 then he says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So what is the fruit? Um, it's the outflow of being saved. It's the outflow of having the Spirit in you. That's why we link it in Galatians again with the fruit of the Spirit. Now I'm going to remind all of you who might not know this off by heart. Um, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Um, these are the things that show you that the Spirit is working in you. In the same sense that the fruit is a sign that the branches are healthy, that everything is going well. Um, and so the branches must understand their role in this. A branch can't lie there on the ground and, and start bearing fruit and go, oh, look at me, I'm so amazing, look, ah. I can do this. I, I'm doing all of this. Now, the only reason why the branch gets fruit is because he's grafted into this vine. In those days, they also grafted the, 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 the branches into the vine and receiving the help and the care from the loving Father. And so, the process is it starts with the Father. He plants the vine. He grafts the, the, the roots in, or the branches in. The branches start bearing fruit. That's a reminder for us, don't start by trying to bear fruit. We're jumping into Colossians 3 now, where he's going to talk about this is how fruit living looks. And then I'm going to try hard. I'm going to try my best, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to get this right. Branches can't get this right. Um, and so what happens um, if he finds, this verse is, is very telling. Um, let's see, go back there. Um, this verse tells us what happens. There are two types of branches. There's a branch that does not bear fruit, and there's a branch that bears fruit. Okay, so I want you to do a little bit of test for yourself. Um, we are going to go through these things, and for each of them, you need to give yourself a mark, one out of ten. Okay, you're not going to have to put your hand up and give your mark, share your mark with your spouse. This is between you and the Holy Spirit in you and God. Um, how much would you get for love? Now, again, God defines love. Love is not loving those who love you. God says even heathens do that. That's easy. That's, that's not a problem. How much love do you have for those who don't have love for you? 
How much love do you have for those who are difficult to love? Give yourself a point, one out of ten. Okay, the next point is joy. How much joy do you have? Now, did that people have joy yesterday about the rugby? No, they had excitement about the rugby. That's a different thing. Excitement comes from the outside. Excitement is an external factor that stirs up my emotions. Um, will people for the rest of the year wake up every day go, Yay, Boca! Will they? No, it's going to fade. A week's time, they're just going to talk about ESCOM again. So, um, joy is, starts on the inside, and it says, in spite of circumstances, I keep going, and I have joy about what, who God is, what He is doing, what He's going to do. So give yourself a mark, one out of ten. Okay, um, so if you, if, you, if you lack in joy, it means circumstances get you under. If you are someone who, when it goes well, it's going well with you, and when it goes badly, it goes badly in your soul, you struggle with joy. Third one, peace. Okay, now again, peace is not a lack of fighting. Peace is that it goes, everything is whole, everything works together. Um, one out of ten. Patience. Okay, quickly put up your hand if you have good marks. Okay, no, no, okay, patience. Um, what does patience mean? It means if things don't go my way, it doesn't change me emotionally. It doesn't change my state. I am willing to keep on. So if life is hard, I, I don't fall apart. I don't um, blame God and run away just because things aren't going my way or life is hard. Mark 1 out of 10. Kindness. Now again, not kindness to those who are kind to you. That's easy. Kindness to those who hate you. Kindness to those who make your life difficult. Next, give yourself a point. Goodness. Now goodness is doing the right thing, being good to others. Faithfulness, very much related to patience, but faithfulness also means you keep on doing the right thing. Nothing sways you from keep on doing the right thing. Um, I was in a situation this week where I really did not want to do the right thing. I was not in a mental space where I wanted to do the right thing in this situation, and God prompted me to say, just start with one good thing in the right place. Just do one good thing. And it got me on a journey where things worked out. Just take that step of doing, being faithful. Do what you're called to do. Next one, gentleness. What's that? You're not harsh. You're not lashing out at people if they stand up against you. Um, you are kind to those who are struggling. You have patience, empathy with those who are struggling. Um, a lot of this has got to do go with if things don't go your way, how do you react? An unspiritual person has themselves on the throne, so they have to protect self. A spiritual person has climbed off of the throne and they say, well, your actions can't do anything to God, so what's the problem? Okay, last one, self-control. Knowing what is the right thing and doing it. Knowing what is the wrong thing and not doing it. So now you would have a point, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, a, a point out of 90. Is everyone with me? Okay. Anybody here who got 100%? Put up your hand now, please. You can go home. Nothing, I have nothing more to say to you. I'm not going to ask you, but they are now to put up your hand anymore. But there are two options left. <clears throat> you either have 0% or you have somewhere between 0 and 100%. And this passage tells us, what God does with the different ones. Now, I just need to see if I have it here. 
Um, every branch in me that does not bear fruit gets 0%. He takes away. Okay, so now the world, uh-uh, no, 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 unconditional love. God will never do anything bad to me. So Bruce Wilkinson wrote a book on something about the vine. And he says, no, 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 it's got nothing to do with taking you away. It's about lifting you up. And you go, but what about that rest, that other verse where he throws you in the fire? The, the picture is here is of a vine dresser who looks at a branch and doesn't bear fruit. And he says, there's no point for you here. And he breaks you off. Now tell me, would the vine dresser go on day one when he put the branch and the next day come, ah, no fruit, break off? No. The vine dresser is wise enough to know that if this branch is grafted correctly, at this point, fruit will start showing. And so God does not expect from you from day one that you are saved to suddenly live this magnificent, glorious, spiritual life. But he knows that there must be change and there must be growth. And at one point, if there is nothing, he says, you were never saved. You don't belong here. You, you might be stuck to the vine, but you're not grafted into the vine. You're not connected to the vine. So if, you're, if you sit here today and you say, you know, really, I have 0%. Now, I did this with the teenagers, um, and one of them said they had 0%. And it's definitely true that people could have 0%. But... Often we might be a bit hard on ourselves, so maybe if you struggle, ask your spouse. But you would know if nothing of those spirits is anything you desire for your life, and you just want to live for yourself. You don't care about other people. Then you're a zero percent. Okay. Now what about those who get 20%? What does God do to those? He gets to you and say, what rubbish. I'm not going to spend my time on a 20% fruit. Nonsense, man. Throw you out. I'm going to get better fruit going. Is that what God does? What does the Abraham says? Whoever bears fruit, whether it's 1% or 10% or 80%, he comes and he says, great, let me help you. Let's grow now. Let's go further. And so God doesn't come here and draw the line with, let's throw out all, everyone who's under 50%. If you are sitting here and you're barely holding on to your 5%, God comes and says, you need me. You need me, and I'm here for you. That's my job. I am the glorious vine dresser. I will prune you and get you there. Now, does pruning sound like a lot of fun? Anybody here in their life love pruning? Okay. You know what? Cutting off and pruning can look very similar. It's the same tool. And so sometimes God is busy pruning in our life, and we go, God, you're hating me. You're busy cutting me off. You're busy destroying me. God's saying, I'm busy healing you. And so why do you allow this trouble in my life, God? This, if, if you loved me, you would never do this. God says, I'm pruning you. You're at 20%. We need to get you further. And it can only happen through pruning. Now, there's actually two things that helps you to grow. But if you're here today and you're sitting and you're struggling... And wonder, what does God think of me struggling? He most probably thinks, my child, you need me. And I'm here. I'm here for you. Okay. Then he goes to verse 3 and he says this thing. Now I just need to find myself again. Um, verse 3, he says, 
every branch already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. So why jump in suddenly? What has clean got to do with everything now? There is a bit of a danger <clears throat> that if you sit here with 20%, do you think I'm not saved? If I was saved, I wouldn't be at 20%. I need to repent again. I need to ask Jesus to forgive me again. I need to say, God, make me your child. And God says, you are my child. You're clean already. You don't have to come every day and become my child again. But you need to realize you're a struggling child who needs me. That's who you are. You don't need salvation. You need sanctification. You need pruning. You need help. Okay. Um, then he gets to the second thing that makes you bear fruit. The first one is pruning. Actually, the second one is pruning. The first one is abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. It's a beautiful invite and a reminder that you cannot do this on your own. You cannot grow on your own. You cannot please God on your own. Um, you need to abide. <coughs> now, abide is a beautiful word that says you make your home there. You sell your home. You sell all the things that were important to you in this world. And you come into Jesus' presence and you make your home there. And you say, Jesus, now it's about you. I'm going to live for you. I'm going to live in you. <laughs> now that statement might seem quite harsh. To say that if I don't abide in Christ, for apart from me, you can do nothing. And then we start thinking, <clears throat> there's really a lot of good happening in the world um, by people who aren't Christians. Is that true? I thought it's nothing. How can it be nothing if it's good? That's the answer. It won't last. Do you think when the Springboks arrive in heaven, God is going to ask them how many times they won the World Cup? Or is He going to ask them, did you know me? Now, there are spectacular things that can happen. There are fantastic things that can happen in this world. But nothing of eternal value. So everyone who's not a child of God is running around all day long, spending all their energy, all their frustrations, all their money, all their time on dust that's going to go away. It's going to mean nothing in the end. I love this um, poem, song by C.T. Studd that says, Only one life, it will soon be past. Only what is done for Christ will last. <coughs> and that's why it's nothing. Um, so, bearing fruit is not my duty. My duty is not to, okay, come on, let's do it, let's do it. My duty is to abide in the vine and to accept the pruning and then fruit happens through the work of the Spirit. God does that work of making me more patient. Now, how does He prune you to become more patient? He fills your life with people that drives you up the wall. Why? Because He tells you, oh, 
You thought you were in charge. You thought you were such a fantastic person who can deal with anything because you are so wonderful. You can't even deal with your neighbor. And it's about lawn mowing. And so God prunes, he prunes, he prunes to grow you. Okay, so now people might say, okay, but I want, um, I want that other option. I, I, also wanna, I don't think I want to be in Christ, but I, I also want to do good things. So what's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to me if I decided not to be in Christ? I'm going to do my own thing. Verse 6 tells us, if anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. And what does that refer to? Hell. It's a journey to hell. <coughs> you first wither. Unbelievers in this world are withering. The older they get, the more frustrated they get, the more anxious they get, and, they turn, and eventually there's hell. Um, then we get to verse 7 where he says, If you abide in me and in my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So for the rest of the passage, he says, I'm going to teach you now how to abide in me. It would be very unpleasant if I tell you, abide in me and leave you there. And you go, but what does it mean? God, how do I abide in you? I, I want to. What does it mean? What must I do? And he gives you a couple of things. The first thing he says is, if you abide in me, my word abides in you. So you abide in Christ by feeding on his word regularly. His Bible is the food that keeps you abiding, keeps you. And then this thing that says, and if you ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. One of those lovely verses where people typics out all the rest around this and highlight this verse because this verse is fantastic. I can now go and ask God for my Porsche and it will be done for me. Is this what this verse says? No. What brought us to this verse? What brought us to this verse is there is a God who is in charge. And he gives you two options. He gives you the option of being grafted into his son and abiding in him and being pruned and bearing much fruit and being with him. And there's another option where you say, I'm going to do it my own way. And he says, let's see how it goes. You wither, I throw you in hell. And then it brings to you, this is, what is it you're going to ask for? Lord, help me abide in you. A fool will get to this point and say, I need a Ferrari. Oh, you're going to drive it to hell. Well done. Lord, really? If I come and I, and I wish to abide in you, you can do it for me, even me? 10% fruit me? Yes. If you come and you wish and you desire and my word abides in you, this can be you as well. So the first thing to do in understanding um, abiding is the fact that the word must be in you. Then we get to verse 8 where he says, but this by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. By this, the abiding in Christ, the bearing much fruit. And by this, the Father is glorified. That is the goal. And so on this journey of parenting to bear much fruit, remember, it's not about you. It's all about the vine dresser. Who of you have ever gone to a wine or a grape festival and someone goes to the bottle and they say, oh, that's a, that was good work, man. Well done. You produce such good. Oh, I am so proud of you. 
You go to the vine dress and you say, wow, well done. That is phenomenal. And that's the goal of our lives as well. To live your life in such a way that when you bear fruit, people look at you and they say, I know you. There's something strange going on with you. I met you when you were a 0%. Now you're a 50%. There's something strange. Must be God. And they glorify the glorious vine dresser because of it. And then he also says, that, so that, that's the first result. God is glorified. The second result, you prove to be my disciples. People are walking around and some of them are really seeking. They want to find God, but they want to find the real God. And they don't know who the real God is. And then they meet the real church and they go, there's something here. Something happened here that could only have happened if they were the disciples of the real God. And because of your fruit bearing, you bring other people to God to also want to be His children. So now he gives more help in verse 9 about what does it mean to abide. He says, as my Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. So how do I abide in Jesus? By, by focusing on His love for me. That is not about me. It's about this God who loves me and is willing to forgive me and willing to prune me and willing to put up all my nonsense and get me to the right place. And I start focusing on Him. And the love that He gives to me, I respond by abiding in His love. And then He gives more help. But how do I do that? Verse 10, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. So He said, okay, I, I want to abide. Well, let the Word dwell in you. Great. What's next? You abide in His love. Okay, how do I abide in His love? Listen to His commandments. Do you see how this is the good journey to get to Colossians 3? Not, you're a Christian, here's the rules. Poof, go and do it now. God, I wish to bear much fruit. I wish to abide in you. How do I do it? Get your word in me. Okay, God, what must I do? Abide in my love. Okay, God, yes, how do I abide in your love? By following your commandments. Here's Colossians 3. Here's how you abide in me. This is the journey. And then in 11, he ends off by saying, These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. That's his goal. That's his goal. That when you start living in him, for him, because of him, and you start bearing much fruit, that's the life that can get up every morning and say, Thank you, God. Not, I went to bed late last night. Did we win? Oh, we won. Oh, thank you, God doesn't matter about what's going on around you because you have the love of the Father in you. You are abiding in Him. He's doing His work in you and you are bearing much fruit. Okay. So let's on end off by saying, how is it going with you? How is it going with you at the moment? There's a thing that I like to call September syndrome. This year it became September-October syndrome. It's that time of the year when people are just really short with each other. People are tired. The year has been long, and people say things they never say at the beginning of the year. People get tired of things that they've been dragging on the whole year, whether it's at work, whether it's with your family, whether it's with your children. Um, it's been a particularly bad September for me. A lot of people grew very angry with me, and I was just really trying to do my best. Um, and so for me, this is the passage to go back to. 
to say in this world with all its brokenness and where you look at the church and the fruit is not there and the fruit, I look at myself and the fruit is not there that I want to see. Lord, how do I get there? God says, I am the glorious vine dresser. Come to me. Here's my son, the vine. Get yourself there. Abide there. Get your home there. This is the only thing that matters. This is the only thing that matters. Um, so let's go on that journey. Let's have this attitude when we go into Colossians 3. Lord, we want to be there. We want to be those people that glorify you and bear much fruit. Let's pray together. Father, what more can we do than say thank you? You could have given up on us so long ago. Especially in those moments when we realize we're not as fancy as we thought we were. We're not as wonderful as we try to show other people we are. When we realize that without you we're just a dry stick. But in you, life. Now Father, I think that's our desire. Life. Life joyfully. Life peacefully. Life abundantly. Life hopefully, life until eternal life is culminated in your return. Until you come and make all things new. Until we reach that day when pruning will never be necessary again. Because you will make us perfect and we will perfectly abide in you forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. But Lord, we're not there yet. But we thank you for the Spirit in us that take us on this journey of bearing much fruit. Help us, Lord. Without you, we are nothing. We praise you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope you were blessed in hearing God's word today. For more information or prayer, please visit our website stillbaybaptist.co.za. May you find your life in Jesus Christ and Him alone.